and it was the first time I had actually heard somebody go deep into scripture and explain that particular verse. And for Mm -hmm. me, that's when the awakening started happening. And I realized when I looked around, I was like, oh my goodness, if someone in our family doesn't understand money, meaning that somebody doesn't take the time to actually understand wealth and wealth creation, we're all in trouble. You're listening to the Move to Millions podcast with Dr. Darnielle J. Harmon. If you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company, cash flow and connection to and beyond the million dollar mark, let's get this party started. This episode is powered by God Girls Making Millions. Listen, God Girl, if you have been looking for a place to finally be able to have those conversations that you just can't have anywhere else, I've got exactly what you need. Go learn more and apply today at GodGirlsMakingMillions.com. Today's episode, OMG, you are so in for a treat. Our guest today brought the heat We got to have a really powerful conversation about money. And y'all know that is my favorite thing in the world to talk about. Mina Black from In the Black Wealth. Listen, I was about to say girl, but I know we got some men that listen to this show too. You're going to get your whole life. You might get your edges snatched. I promise you it is for your good. Let me take a moment and just read Mina's bio. Investment consultant, Wall Street survivor, angel investor, Mrs. New York City 2019. Mina Black is on a quest to help women create multi-generational wealth and multi-generational knowledge. She is the go-to wealth strategist for first-generation wealth creators, women that may not have come from money, but have worked hard to make it and determined to leave a lasting legacy. She is the founder of the In the Black Wealth an investment consulting firm specializes in helping clients create income-producing portfolios so that they can cover their monthly expenses with their investments. Mina has been described as one of the top personal finance people to follow on Twitter and has been featured in numerous publications, including the New York Times, Ebony, CNN Money, Yahoo Finance, The Grio, and many more. She holds an MBA from John Hopkins University and lives in New York City with her husband and two little girls. This conversation was so good, y'all. We talked about a little of everything. I have so many notes about this conversation. And you know me, I don't like to steal the thunder of the conversation. So I'm going to come back after it's over and I'm going to tell you what I got from everything that came out of Mina's mouth. But here's what I do want to say before we jump into it. I just want you to know that it's not about where you're from. It's about where you're going. She's going to tell you how she was born in Ghana, where wealth was not something she ever thought about. She was just trying to figure out how to survive. And today she runs three businesses, makes millions of dollars and is an angel investor. I want you to grab pen and paper and maybe some tissues. And let's jump into my conversation with Mina Black. Mina Black, I'm so excited to welcome you to the Move to Millions podcast. How are you today? I am doing amazing and I am excited to be here and excited I'm, about our conversation. Yes, girl, I have been looking forward to this conversation. But before we even jump in, take just a quick moment and tell everybody who you are in your own words. Sure, absolutely. So I am Mina and in Black. I am a mom of two, angel investor, serial entrepreneur, currently running about three businesses. At any given moment, you will find me talking about investing. I was born in a country called Ghana in West Africa. I like to say I was Ghana born, Virginia raised, New York, NYC planted. I've been in the U.S. for about 
over 30 years almost. And I am a profoundly uh, passionate person about helping women create multi-generational wealth. You already know you speak in my language, right? Like, I mean, like right out the gate, which I just love because that's a big thing on my heart. It wasn't always on my heart, though. Like, I mean, I've been broke and busted and disgusted. I'm writing my book now, Move to Millions. And so it's bringing up all of these stories and reminding me of the lack and the poverty and the mindset and all of that kind of stuff. So why don't you take us on a journey? Like, how did you get to the point where today you are profoundly passionate about helping women create generational wealth? Walk us through what happened and how you got to be at this point. And don't leave anything out. Oh, trust me, I'm going (laughs) to share all the ugliness, all the ugly truth. So as I mentioned, I am from Ghana, West Africa. So I was born in a place that for most people, they can't even fathom what it's like to actually exist in a place like that. And what I mean by that is there's no running water. I literally used to take baths outside. We have no bathrooms. We, yeah, where I was, we had no bathrooms. I spent a good chunk of my time in a little village that we recently actually just went back to visit about two months ago. When you grow up in that kind of environment, one of the things that I think most of us don't realize is that wealth is not something that we even think about. It's because it's not part of the everyday conversation. You're more concerned about with just making it to the next day or making it to the next meals. When you come up under those circumstances, you develop a certain mindset over the course of time about money, about what you are worth, and what it says to the world. One of the things I always like to joke with people as an immigrant, as someone from Ghana, is that in Ghana, I always believed that the streets of the US, United States, were paved with gold. I remember when I first got here, think and seeing that obviously that's not anywhere near accurate, and how that shifted my mindset as a newly immigrated person. And growing up in my household, money was not something we talked about. It was something that other people had. It was something that there was never enough of, if that makes sense. And as someone who grew up in a traditional household whereby you go to school, you get a job, and that's it. You go to school, get a job, and that's it. Then you kind of live life and Mm -hmm. hopefully things work out over time. Money was just not something we talked about. One of the things that my dad did try to impart on me when I got older and when I got out of college was that at a minimum, I should put money in a 401k. I didn't know what a 401k was. I had made a lot of mistakes in undergrad. And when I say a lot of mistakes, they don't do it now, but years ago, for those of us who are older, they used to allow credit card companies onto campuses. And I I was one of these girls. We're going to have a whole little sidebar. Okay, so before you even tell this story, Mina, let me pull back the curtain on some of the things that you just shared because I think also because I recently have gone on this mission to really help us to become financially literate. I think most Americans, and I'm not even going to just say Black Americans or true African-Americans, have grown up financially illiterate. The majority of our country was born and raised financially illiterate. We have no clue. And there was just so many things that you said already. Wealth wasn't something that we thought about. We only thought about making it to the next day. Girl, that is real. I feel you so much because I literally was just writing a chapter in my book called Mindset for Millions. It's one of my most popular keynotes that people bring me in to speak about. And I literally wrote something very similar yesterday when I was writing that chapter that my dad, whenever he talked about money, he was either stressed or he was pissed off 
or he was belligerent because of someone he perceived to have had money. The conversation, what he said to us all the time was, we are lucky to have enough to get by. Just keep your head down and do what you're supposed to do and you'll be lucky if you have enough money to get by. And so I feel all of that. I know we haven't even really gotten into the crescendo of your story, but you already told me that you're an angel investor. Now, what I know about being an angel investor is that sis gotta have some cash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and you said, I'm running three businesses right now. So I already know I have chills on my body because I'm just so excited for this conversation and I wanna take us in so many different directions with your permission. I really wanna use this as a blueprint of how we can go from nothing to something significant and to be able to leverage that significance to shift generational trajectories because that's what I think it's all about. And I think it starts by talking about the college campus because honey, I went to college on a full scholarship, but by the time I graduate, I had enough credit card debt to have had student loans because I didn't know because I was financially illiterate. I wanna hear your story about those credit cards. Eventually I want us to talk about and really give a roadmap of if a person is still in that, we don't think about wealth, we're just trying to get by, like how can we begin to edge them out into a different possibility and then ultimately give them a plan that they can leverage to begin to shift their generational trajectory? Yeah, I think for a lot of us, one of the things that we take to heart that we don't even realize is the stories around us about money. I know growing up, even talking about the credit cards and what happened to me on college campus, unfortunately, credit cards wasn't even part of the conversation growing up, meaning that it was just something that was there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that I wasn't taught about debt or credit and how to actually properly use credit. So when the credit card companies came on campus, I was so happy because in my mind, oh, that was free money. Thank you. I'm going to take it. There was no thought given to, oh, I need to pay this back. Girl, hold on. I'll do you one better. One of my dorm mates, we were walking the quad together and we saw the credit cards. And I'm like, what's a credit card? She said, and I quote, Mina, a credit card is layaway you get to take home now. <laughs> Honey, girl, I knew all about layaway. All about it. Oh, and so did I. Right? Oh, my goodness. That and I literally long. got all the T-shirts. <laughs> and all the credit cards and would go and spend and send them $15 a month. Like thinking that I would literally put myself not in the cage. I mean, I ended up having to file bankruptcy and all of that. A quarter of a million dollars in credit card debt, Mina. Yeah. But you see where it started though. Oh, it started before I even really knew what money was. Just looking at the way my parents acted and moved around money. My mom was the queen of robbing Peter to pay Paul. That was her jam. What could she hold off on paying just so that we could do what we needed to do right in that money? And then my dad was the king of, if you ain't sweating, you have no business having money. Like it had to be hard, it had to be grueling, it had to be grind filled in order for it to matter and for you to be able to feel good about spending it. Wow. What were some of those stories that you oh either heard or observed as you were growing up? One of the things my dad used to say, and to this day, I still, I tell him to this day that I'm going to put it on his, as an epitaph on his tombstone is right now I'm broke. All I have is a dollar. Every single thing that I asked for, <laughs> it didn't matter what it was, college tuition, this, that, right now I'm broke. All I have is a dollar. When you hear that enough times, you start to believe 
that there is never enough money. There is never enough to go around. Money and getting money is a zero-sum game. And at Mm -hmm. some point as an adult, even right after I graduated from undergrad, I started to really embody all of that, meaning that the sense of lack when it came to money, it was just how life was. Some people had it and some of us don't. And that's just how life is. It's okay. Those people that have it, good for them. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, though, we start to develop this mindset that those people that have it are bad. Right. All the things. Think about television and all the imagery. Think about Dynasty, for those of us who grew up during a certain era, how all the rich people were bad on TV. Right. Even think about the Beverly Hillbillies or Sanford and Son or All in a Family or the Jeffersons. Like the TV shows were hoodwinking and bamboozling us into believing that bring broke was fun and it was exciting and poverty makes you holy. You're closer to God if you're broke, girl. You just hit it right there. And that took me the longest time to actually get over, which is part of the Bible script, right? Mm-hmm. The verse is harder mm-hmm. for a rich man to get through the eye of a needle than to get to heaven. I believe that wholeheartedly. I literally took that to heart growing up. Of course you did, because that's what the pastor said. And without the context of the fact that the eye of needle was a very thin gate into the city. I remember (laughs) literally in 2010, I went to a retreat and this woman, she said, oh, no, no. Whoever told you that script, they left out a big part of that script. And it was the first time I had actually heard somebody go deep into scripture and explain that particular verse. And for mm-hmm. me, that's when the awakening started happening. And I realized when I looked around, I was like, oh my goodness, if someone in our family doesn't understand money, meaning that somebody doesn't take the time to actually understand wealth and wealth creation, we're all in trouble. I wholeheartedly believe that within every family, there should be a professional that does one thing and does one thing well, meaning that there should be an attorney, there should be a doctor. Family, I said, you know what? I'm gonna be our finance person. I'm going to take the time to actually learn money, learn about investing and learn how actually we can break some of this generational curse. Because coming from where we come from, money is not something we have access to. Wealth is not something we have access to. However, one of the things that we do have is our brain and our ability to learn. Nobody can ever take that away from us. And as long as we're willing to learn about how to create money, nothing's going to pass us by. We are going to be able to get this money, as one of my friends say, let's get this money. I mean, I think you're so right, because as entrepreneurs, the reason why we once we come into this awakening that you talked about, the reason why it it works so well for entrepreneurs is because we earn through our creation. It's not like when you have a job and your boss says you get paid $20 an hour and that's it and no more. So you equate your worth and your value to what you earn by the hour. Well, as an entrepreneur, you have the ability to create. Like I always tell this story. My husband and I were building our home and we went to the design center. Now, neither of us had ever built a home before. I had owned a home, but this was his first time even owning a home. But we decided to build from the ground up and we went to the design center. And our home is a Toll Brothers home. So one of the luxury builders here in the U.S. And so we went to the design center. Girl, we wanted everything. Like, give me two of them. I'll take five of them. Oh, and don't forget six of them. And then we got the bill at the end and it was huge. And my husband immediately is like, oh no, we have to put things back. No, we don't. 
we can create the money. We had the money in savings, but I said to my husband, I wanted to teach him about money and creation because he was not an entrepreneur. He was a guy who worked two jobs. And when I met him, he worked two jobs. And when I would ask him why, he's like, because everybody in my family worked two jobs. So he just thought that's what you had to do. And so anyway, so I was like, well, let's create the 50,000. He's looking at me like, how are we gonna create? We gotta pay this woman in two weeks. How are we gonna create $50,000 in two weeks? And I was like, watch. And so I went into my tool chest and I said, okay, what do I have? Like, like the widow in Second Kings, what's in my hand that I could use to go to people to get them to buy? And I created a $5,000 thing and I went to my list and I said, I have 10 slots. My husband, we need it in two weeks. I did it in seven. When we come back from the break, I want us to talk a little bit more about this awakening and what that means for us now. And then we can kind of switch gears and give them some practical strategies. We'll be right back after this. Hey, God girl, have you attended event after event looking for up-level conversation only to realize you've outgrown the rooms you used to frequent for inspiration and implementation? I want to invite you to spend three days immersing yourself in a safe space where you can have deep, vulnerable, and transparent conversations about what life beyond the money looks like. I know how you feel and you are looking for more. More meaning, alignment, impact, connections, freedom, expression, self-care, and insight on how to shift your life so that your business continues to grow with less flex and more flow. Join us at God Girls Making Millions. Applications are now open. Apply today at GodGirlsMakingMillions.com. I'll see you in Miami. All right. Welcome back. You are listening to the Move to Millions podcast. My guest today is Mina Black. And listen, we have already just started to dismantle some of those limiting beliefs that you have around money, but we are only just getting started. Just before the break, Mina, we were talking about these definitions that we've learned and these stories we've been telling ourselves about money and when the awakening happened, right? When we realized that we really had the power to create wealth, when it comes to money, although the Bible talks about money 2,300 times, more than heaven or hell, God talks about money because it's a lesser thing and we gotta be able to master the lesser thing in order to get the greater things. We get so bound and caught up in not truly understanding wealth. So talk to me a little bit more about this awakening that you had. I think you said it was a scripture in Matthew about the eye of the needle was when that thread kind of loosened and it started to get pulled on. What continued to happen to get you to the point where today you're an angel investor, three businesses, making millions, moving millions, being in a position to leave millions to your two babies. Tell us all about it. Absolutely. So one of the things that happened right around that time was I decided I'm going to learn as much as possible. I'm going to take the time to actually see what these wealthy people are doing. I made the insane decision to go ahead and become a financial advisor. I had absolutely no background in investing, had no background in wealth advisory, but I said, you know what? If you want to learn how to be wealthy, if you want to become wealthy, you actually have to, to surround yourself with wealthy people. And so at that time, I actually decided I left my job at that time. I'm going to just switch gears. I was on track. I was on my way to actually applying for law school and going to law school. But I said, nope, this is more important to my family. This is more important for our whole family, not just my immediate family, but our extended family. So I actually became a financial advisor right around that time. And let me tell you, once you are an advisor and you are exposed to people that have not a million, not two million, but hundreds and hundreds of million dollars. 
And most importantly, you are exposed to the tricks and the tools that are used by the quote unquote 1% that most of us don't even realize exist for us. It changes your perception of everything. It changes your how you view life, how you view people, and most importantly, why, how you see wealth. Wealth mm-hmm. is no longer a zero-sum game. Wealth is now, oh, it's possible. I want to be a multimillionaire. I can do it, and this mm-hmm. is how I can do it. This is how I can do it. I can actually take some of these steps. I can take some of these actions. I can go ahead and invest in my 401k, set up a sub IRA, right? Mm-hmm. I can go ahead and actually invest in these income producing assets that will actually allow me to not hustle all the time so that I can actually invest and have this passive wealth that most of the wealthy live off and thrive off that most of us are struggling to attain. Yes, honey. Listen, we're going to start right there because you said something that I always say exposure creates expansion. So being exposed, I think it was brilliant of you to say, listen, if I want to be wealthy, I need to get around some wealthy people. And the fastest way to learn about money is through becoming a financial advisor. Like I think about ended up filing bankruptcies in my mid thirties and a requirement of my bankruptcy being discharged was that I had to go through a financial literacy course. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, M-G. It was the best thing because I learned about money. Literally, the instructors of the class were wealthy people. It was better than getting my undergraduate degree and my MBA and my honorary doctorate. Like that class, it was a eight week class and they broke down from the origins to my, of money. So some of that was spiritually based to the understanding of that money is really just an energy. I was so surprised that it wasn't just the technical dollars and cents kind of class. It was really, let us break this down to you so that you can understand it. And then how to leverage money, leveraging your own money, leveraging other people's money, how to leverage it in order to create wealth and how the wealthy don't spend their own money. As they shouldn't. (laughs) Right, as none of us should, right? And then I love what you just said about income producing assets. So I want to pull on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then this thought of passive wealth, that excites me. I used to hustle and grind and I'm so over that. Today, it's all about grace and ease. And if I can't make money by being in alignment, then I don't want to make money. Think about that Abraham quote. If you believe that you have to work hard in order to deserve the money that comes to you, then money cannot come to you unless you work hard. Financial success or any other kind of success does not require hard work, really only requires alignment of thoughts. Let's talk about Being in the space, being a financial advisor, seeing the wealthy, being exposed to some of their tricks and tactics and the things that they know that we are just not taught. How did that begin to shape you to get to the point where you also had millions that you could now invest in other people? I think for me, being exposed to some of these clients and working with them and seeing not only how they generate wealth, but also how they think about wealth. And for most of us, our mindset is our biggest barrier to actually acquiring and maintaining wealth. And for me, having access to and being able to ask some of these multi-millionaires, close to billionaires, questions like, how did you get started? Or even, hey, I noticed that you are claiming this amount on your taxes. Why is that? How are you able to do that? And actually hearing how they think about wealth and understanding that the tax code is really built for the wealthy, which is something I think most of the tax code is built for small business owners and the wealthy. And if you look at the actual Forbes 400, 
you'll notice that a lot of people on there are actually business owners. If you really want to acquire wealth, if you really get to the point whereby your mindset changes, honestly, surrounding yourself with those people that have Mm -hmm. and getting exposure to those people that have can go a long way for you. And that is what worked for me was having exposure to them and being able to ask those one-on-one questions and ask, how did you get to where you are? And actually watching, most importantly, watching what they do and seeing that, you know what? Goodness gracious, earned income is not going to get me where I want to be. It's the passive income that's really going to get me mm-hmm. where I want. I don't want to be 99 years old eating cat food. I don't want to hustle, hustle, hustle. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, this is one of the things that gets us in trouble. We get into the mindset of create, 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 work, work, work. And by the time we know it, we've accumulated a certain amount of money, but we still got to, we got to keep that going. We mm-hmm. got to hustle and keep that going. But if you're able to shift your mindset and say, you know what, I'm not focused on earned income, which is the money that I'm creating from my businesses. I'm focused on passive income. I'm going to convert this in- earned income to passive income. I assure you, before you know it, your life will completely change, meaning that you will no longer stress about taking that one week vacation, that month long vacation. You're no longer going to be booked and busy. You're going to be, okay, you know what? My calendar is empty and it, as it should be. I like an empty calendar. I love that. I want to talk a little bit more about passive wealth. Let's make it simple so that a fifth grader, if they happen to be listening to this podcast, they know exactly what we mean. Now, I can define passive wealth, right? It's wealth that continues to grow without you having to exert to receive it. What are some examples of passive wealth that you love, that you like to have your clients get involved in? Share a little bit about that with us. Absolutely. It's defined it absolutely correct. It's wealth that you don't have to actually have to exert a lot of energy. You do it once and boom, that's done. Examples of some passive wealth is anything that pays you dividends or interest. For example, I'm going to go ahead and invest in real estate. Specifically, I'm going to do, when it comes to real estate, I like to think of real estate as direct and indirect real estate. Direct real estate is you are actively managing the properties or you have hired a property manager that you're in touch with that manages properties and you're collecting the monthly income from that. That's to me, direct real estate investing. That's one type of passive wealth. But for me, what I like to help my clients more focus on is indirect real estate investing, meaning that you do apartment syndications or there's a development that's raising $6 million. Go ahead and put in 10 or $15,000, $20,000, and you are able to generate, they're able to generate income, and you're able to collect that income on a regular basis, right? So that's one of the ways to actually generate income or passive wealth is through real estate. Another way, peer-to-peer lending. Most people don't realize there is, I can probably list at least six ways off the top of my head, peer-to-peer lending, royalties and licensing, streaming music, believe it or not, REITs, invested in REITs, real estate investment trust, master LMLPs. There's just so many different ways for you to actually start generating income. And this is one of the things that I often work with my clients is how do we create a portfolio that not only aligns with your passion and your interests and the legacy you want to leave behind, but most importantly, that aligns with your bandwidth you have time to actually pay attention to because most of my clients are busy. They do not have time to sit there and actively manage real estate. They do not have time to sit there. You can invest in a cash flow producing business, but you don't have time to manage that business. Let's see if you're, yeah, you qualify as an accredited angel investor and right. then you can actually do some angel investing and make sure that some of that passive wealth comes your way and you're not focused all your attention on actively managing your wealth. Right. And that's what I was going to say. I was like, well, Mina, you didn't say anything about angel investing. That's passive wealth. (laughs) I remember a couple of years ago, I had a mentor who they didn't like they worked with people like me and they didn't charge us anything. Well, I had to make a donation to his charity. So he's like, 
go and just make a $10,000 donation to my charity. I'll tell you whatever you want. I'll meet with you once a quarter and I'll just kind of hip you to the game. That was his thing. He would invest in companies. He would be like, okay, well, I'll find a company that I believe in, that I know has longevity and I'll make an investment. It could be 100,000, 50,000, whatever the amount And based on that investment that I make, I get a percentage stake. And so then that means I'm first making my money back, but then I'm also getting a check every quarter based on the earnings of the company. And so I avail myself to the client or to the business owner to make sure that I'm protecting my investment. But he was wrapped up at that particular point in time. He was probably in 50 different companies before we knew of a Marcus Lemonis, right? And the profit, like he was doing the profit, but without the TV show and the cameras following him around. And that was one of the first times that I really got this understanding of passive wealth. And the move is not really to sing for your supper. The move is to create an environment where you have other people singing for your supper. (laughs) That's what it's really all about. And I love that you're touching on this. I know for many people, This is a conversation that is too soon. So what I want to say to them, and then I also want to know what you want to say to them, it's not too soon. Exposure creates expansion. Why I was so excited to have Mina on the show is so that you could start thinking about this. Like right now, you might be in your business and you're the reason why you're getting sales. And that's perfectly okay. But as you continue to leverage and scale your business and you bring on team, we want to get you to the point where they're hiring your company. They're not hiring you. And that frees you up to take some of the revenue that is coming in that is in surplus to invest it in other ways. I'm literally about to go to closing on a new house. Like we buy real estate. We have a real estate portfolio. You know, we have money in the stock market. We have money in crypto. We are doing a lot of different things to make our money work for us so that we don't have to work for our money. And I want you guys to catch this because the move to millions is not one time. Just like in the Bible, it talks about going from glory to glory to glory. We should all be going from millions to millions to millions. So I'm excited that Mina has already shared a lot of great nuggets with us, but I want to go a little bit deeper, Mina. I want to start to create an actual action plan. Let's concoct a scenario. Let's say that my business is doing about a half a million dollars a year and it costs me between what I pay myself and what I pay my team and all of the things, it costs me about $300,000 a year to run that business. So that means I've got $200,000 left over. I want to keep three months, maybe six months of operating expenses in the bank. So that means I've got $150 to play with. I'm making these numbers up for the, the purposes of the scenario. I want you to give ideas, but not advice that It needs to be construed as anything. We'll need to get ourselves in any trouble here, right? Although Mina is a financial advisor, I am not one. I don't play one on TV. Anything that we're suggesting to you is just a suggestion. Let's do it this way. How should I start thinking about that $150,000 that I have that I could potentially make work for me versus it just sitting in a bank account somewhere? I'm going to be honest with you. One of my pet peeves is when people say, oh, I have X amount of money sitting in the bank. Because let me tell you, that bank is not paying you anything. The first thing I would tell someone like that in that particular scenario is, okay, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go and calculate all your expenses mm-hmm. because our goal is we need to go ahead and cover your monthly expenses by with the, some of your investments, right? So I need you to go and play what your monthly expenses are. And let's say you come back and you say, okay, my monthly expenses are like 10K, right? And this is your monthly personal expenses, not your business expenses. Let's say you say your monthly expenses are 10K. We need to actually make sure that we are investing enough 
to bring and generate $10,000 in monthly income at a minimum. That's on the low end. So the first thing I tell people to do is go ahead and calculate what your actual expenses are, what your monthly cash flow is so that we can see what's coming in and what's going out because we want to make sure that we move toward passive wealth and passive income. So that 150K, if you have that amount of money, oh my goodness, there's so much damage you can do. And I say damage damage because there's opportunities that people don't even realize exist, Mm -hmm. right? There's something that I like to teach my clients, it's called layered wealth, right? Mm -hmm. At the foundation, we go invest in a stock market. We invest in some dividend paying stocks and these dividend paying stocks are what's gonna help us cover our earned income. I'm not obviously going to tell you which stocks to invest in. At the core is we actually put a good chunk of our money, at least 60% or more in the stock market. Because our goal, again, is to cover our monthly expenses. Right. To make sure we have income coming in every single month, even when we're not working, when we stop working. That's the ultimate goal. We want to make sure that we don't have any worries. We can be 99 and all we're doing is sitting home collecting checks. That's all our goal is. So every month, we're going to go ahead and invest in some dividend paying stocks. We're going to invest in REITs. We're going to invest in all of these other income producing assets, cash flow businesses. Become an advisor or a partner in a cash flow business and actually make sure that every month you're collecting a check from that business. There are some angel investing opportunities that will actually pay you a dividend depending on how far along the company is you're actually being an angel investor between that and some investing in concerts there are just so many things i will save you with that 150 that you can do but one of the first things i will say is go ahead and actually figure out how much you need to cover for your monthly expenses and then we are going to craft a portfolio mm. of different asset classes you mentioned earlier Danielle, you mentioned crypto One of my businesses is a Web3 company where we onboard the buy population into Web3. Nice. There's absolutely no reason if you have Bitcoin, if you have one, if you have ETH, especially any of the ETH coins, there's absolutely no reason that you shouldn't be actually generating income from your crypto. If you're not, then we have a problem. We need to have a conversation. Why aren't you generating income from, why don't you have a crypto savings account? Why aren't you staking your crypto? Why aren't you leveraging and lending your crypto? There's just so many things you can do to generate the income, but your first job is to calculate your actual monthly expenses. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to calculate, create a portfolio of different assets that will produce income over the course of a year for you. I love all of that. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Stay with us. You haven't applied for God Girls Making Millions yet? God girl, what you waiting on? Stop what you're doing right now and go to God Girls Making Millions. Why? Because for the first time ever, I'm doing something that has not been done and wasn't done for me. When I got to the seven figure mark, I looked around and there were tons of events that were serving people at the six figure mark and very few that were serving people at seven. I needed a new room, a new room where I could have an up-level conversation, where I could let my hair down and truly step fully and vulnerably into the CEO God has created me to be. And since I couldn't find it, I've created it for you. Join me at God Girls Making Millions. Go submit your application now to be in a room with women on your level, ready also to ascend to their next level. GodGirlsMakingMillions.com. Submit your application today. Welcome back. OMG. Are you having as much fun as I'm having right now listening to 
all of the gems and the nuggets that our guest Mina Black is dropping, y'all. You could get your whole life and put yourself on a specific intentional generational shift. That is what it's all about for both me and Mina. And so I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. Just before the break, Mina started downloading the blueprint, exactly what you need to do. So let me give you a quick recap. Number one, you need to calculate all of your monthly personal expenses. Figure it all out for the car, the house, the groceries, the cell phone, the travel, all the things. What does that come out to per month? So you're going to probably add it all up for the year. Then you're going to divide it by 12. And that's going to tell you how much you need per month. Once we have that number, then we're going to want to invest enough to be able to cover those monthly expenses. Y'all, isn't this brilliant? You thought you needed to figure out your monthly income. Then you need to go get a client. Nah, Mina says, once you figure out your ink, what you need to make, you make investments to cover it. This is how we get passive wealth, ladies and gentlemen. This is what it's all about. She talked about layering your wealth. Some of that is going to go into the stock market, but not just any stock, stocks that pay dividends. You can do your research if you don't have somebody to help you. Now, I highly recommend that you do get a financial advisor, someone who knows what they're talking about, who knows the markets, who knows the ebbs and flows of the markets to be able to advise you. But at minimum, you could probably go to Google right now and type in which stocks offer a dividend to get an idea of which stocks you should look to have in your portfolio. Then you want to also make sure that you get some REITs, some real estate investments going on there. You want to potentially look at some cash flow positive businesses and make an investment stake in those businesses. What's great about doing that is that they don't necessarily need your money because they're cash flow positive. They need your expertise. They need what you bring to the table that they are not privy to to help them to continue to grow their business. And we know that you guys are brilliant. There's an opportunity for you to further capitalize on your brilliance without you having to be the labor source to execute that brilliance. Once we do that, once we know your monthly expenses, we get your layered wealth strategy, then we're gonna create a portfolio. And that portfolio is going to include all of the things that are gonna bring you face-to-face with your passive wealth. Mina, did I forget anything based on what you've told us so far? Covered it all. And I would say this much. One of the things you mentioned earlier is the $150,000. I'm starting with that $150,000 example. I hope your audience understands that you don't have to wait until you have this massive amount of cash sitting around. That's good. If you can, let's say you're bringing in 10K per month in your business right now. I'm begging you, and I do this all the time. I'm always begging you, just take a small percentage of it right now, Mm -hmm. a small percentage of it, and really think about, okay, I have $1,000. What can I do with that $1,000? Take that $1,000 and put it into some dividend stocks because that will actually get you on that journey toward that passive wealth. You don't have to wait till you have this massive amount of wealth before you can actually take advantage of this strategy. Your goal is to start where you are. You don't need to start where you want to be. Start where you are, wherever you are, whatever amount of money you're making, because you don't want to wait till you have millions and millions in in a bank. And I do have people that come to me and they're like, okay, I'm making all this money. Now what? Well, it's great that you're making all this money. Now what? If you aren't making all this money before you get to that point, You can even start and believe me, before you know it, you'll be actually a lot further than those people that are making tens and tens of million dollars because you put in the right, you put out the right strategy. I love that. I think this is so good. I mean, as we come up to the end of the year, as we really start thinking about your own wealth plan, 
if you don't already have a financial management team, and this is for everyone who desires to have a million dollar company, you need a financial management team. And that team is going to be comprised of small business attorney, a tax attorney, an IP, an intellectual property attorney, a financial advisor. You need all of these people in this suite. And there's probably a couple I'm not even thinking of right off the top of my head. You need a whole team of people whose sole mission is to help you to make your money and multiply your money and make your money move. Because here's the thing, money is always moving. If it's not moving for you, it is not through lack of effort. If it is not moving for you, it's because you do not have a firm understanding of what makes money move. And this is what I believe and me and I'd be interested in your definition of this too. For me, money moves when you invest and you are investable. So you're putting money out and you are available to take money in. That's how we keep money moving. Would you add anything to that, Mina? Absolutely. What I think for a lot of us, at least me in particular, money moves when my mind changes. When my Ooh, that's good. I think for a lot of us, we let our mindsets and our environment get in the way of what's possible. To your point about that financial management team, I will add one more person that you may want to have on your team, an estate planning attorney. Oh, yes. Talking about legacy. Yes. Our goal here is all about impact and legacy. If you want to leave a legacy and make an impact, there are certain people, I call them your personal board of advisors, who are supposed to be there and you are supposed to be able to go to them and say, you know what? I want to make sure that because I run this business, I have this IP that I'm able to license this IP. That's what your your small business IP attorney is going to help you with. Right. Right. I want to make sure that I have this business and I'm generating this income. I'm making these investments, but I want to donate to causes I believe in. How do I do so? And that's what the financial advisor and the estate planning attorney are going to do for you. I think for a lot of us, if you're getting to the point or if you're not at the point where you can have that big team of advisors, you don't need to have all, everybody, but there is one or two critical people that you need on your team. And I do think a good CPA and not just a CPA, I'm going to just caveat this a little bit a tax strategist. There's a huge difference between a CPA or someone that just does your returns and a Mm -hmm. CPA or tax attorney that's a tax because they are going to be able to tell you the ins and outs of the IRS code and they are going to be able to save you not just thousands, not just hundreds of thousands, but millions of dollars. Absolutely. At the end of the day. Absolutely. And if you have a good CPA that is also a tax strategist, then you don't need a tax attorney. Kind of balances itself out. Making sure that you have all of these people on your financial management team, starting where you are, as Mina stated, and adding as you can. Like having access to people that will be a part of your team doesn't necessarily have to mean that you need to pay them money right now. Just at least knowing who those people are. There are a lot of people out there. I don't necessarily happen to be one of these people, but there are a lot of people out there for a cup of coffee and a hamburger. They'll give you game. (laughs) There are a lot of people. Just making sure that you're clear and you have this list because this is about shifting generational trajectories. It doesn't matter where you come from. It only matters where you're going. And the fastest way to get there is what Mina said, which I love, money moves when I change my mind. When you start thinking different, when you start thinking bigger, when you start getting around people who make you uncomfortable. The reason why I like to, Mina, talk about money so much is because I know it makes people uncomfortable. But I also know that until we can get comfortable talking about money, we won't earn as much of it as we should have. And so you've got to get into some spaces where your friends take you to restaurants where there's no prices on the menu, where your friends take you to places in a private jet, 
you've got to get uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. But until it starts to feel like it is normal, everyday activity to you, you are messing with your money. And the fastest way to change the way you look at money is to get around people who have come to realize that money is just an energy that's available to them whenever they want. And they actually, to a certain extent, it feels like they mistreat money. Like you're praying over it and hoarding the little bit that you have and the other people around you are just tossing it away because they know that they can create more of it. That's the kind of energy you need to get around money if you really want to shift the way that money shows up for you. If you truly want to make money move, then this is what you're going to need to make sure that you do. Anything that you would add to that, Mina? I love that. Just one last thing I want to add to that is when it comes to money and when it comes to wealth and in particular women, I would love it if more women would actually stop the mindset that I'm just not good with numbers. That's good. When fortunately, while money makes us uncomfortable, I can't tell you the number of times whereby I encounter someone, they say, well, I'm just not good with numbers. Do not let that false notion keep you from wealth. Because yes, you may not, I was not good with my numbers, but it was an eighth grade teacher, I remember, that Mm -hmm. really changed my mindset about what's possible for women and what's possible when you actually like math. If you've been telling yourself this entire time that you want to be a millionaire or a multimillionaire or an angel investor, whatever that is, but you're also literally secretly saying, well, I don't like math. I don't like numbers. Well, Mm -hmm. those two things, they can't work together. So I need you to say, you know what? I may not be good at math yet, but I can be good at math tomorrow. I may not be good with numbers yet, but I'm going to take five minutes a day and look at my numbers every day. I'm going to take five minutes a day and go back and check to see, okay, where was my money coming and where was my money going? What changes do I need to make to make sure I'm still on path? I'm going to take five minutes a day and actually set the financial goals. You know what? I'm going to reach for 500K this year. I'm hoping that your audience will at least if you've ever said to yourself, I'm not good with numbers, I'm not good with money, change that recording and start saying, yes, I'm not good with money yet, but I will be tomorrow. I will be the next day after that, right? I need you to change that recording and so that you can actually have these conversations that as Darnielle said, it makes some people uncomfortable. Yes. what I like to make people squirm when I start talking about money because I will come out outright and ask you, how much did you make last year? You know what? I didn't make as much. That's okay. We can make more. But if you say I didn't make much because of X, Y, t- and 20,000 excuses, we have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. We're not actually being honest with ourselves about the real reason. And part of that is actually being able to say, my mindset is not right about money. My mindset is not right about wealth. It's not going to impact just you. It's going to impact everyone around you. If you have Absolutely. a husband, if you have a spouse, if you have children, believe it or not, all of this matters and it matters more so for them than it does for you. So important. Oh my gosh, this has been amazing. Okay. Before I let you go, I got to ask you our three closing questions. This has been a phenomenal conversation. We'll make sure that we put how everyone connects with you. If they'd like to deepen their experience and talk with you about their portfolios, we'll put all of that in our show notes. I always like to end every episode by asking three questions. So the first question is, what is your favorite quote? One of my favorite quotes is actually by an unknown. When one rises, we all rise. Oh, I love that. My motto and everything that I do. I love that. And then what is one book that you've read that made the difference to change the way you look at money and have helped you to get to millions? I think for me, it was uh, this book, believe it or not, by she's now Senator Warren. Her name, the book is called All Your Worth. And I know people like to quote certain books when it comes to personal finance, but believe it or not, she wrote this book with her daughter years ago. It's called All Your Worth by Elizabeth Warren. 
And if you read it, it gives you a good foundation for understanding money. It helps you create a budget. It helps you really think about the long-term implications of some of your actions today. And it's a fantastic read. I recommend it to clients all the time. Nice. I love that. And then last, what is one tool that you swear by on your move to me? You know what? I would say, I think for me, the biggest thing has been the biggest game changer has been time blocking. It's one thing to have a to-do list. It's a whole other to add that to-do list to your calendar and really stick to the blocks that you've outlined for specific tasks because it's easy to let things get away from you. Things can get away from you quickly and your to-do list ends up becoming never ending if you actually don't stick to your time. Very true. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Again, we will put all of the deets of how to connect directly with Mina in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, do yourself a favor and start thinking about your legacy and start putting yourself on a a journey to shift your generational wealth trajectory. We'll see you next time. Take care. I told you. Wasn't it good? Wasn't it good? How many pages of notes do you have? Listen, this conversation was everything. And if you want to make sure that you get to connect to Mina, follow her on social media, learn more about these income producing portfolios, then you want to make sure that you check out the show notes. Again, I promised you that I would tell you some of my favorite nuggets from this conversation. She talked a lot about her journey early on and how when you hear enough that you don't have money and money is not available. She said her dad says, I'm broke. I only have a dollar to my name. And you hear that enough, you start to believe it. But getting money is a zero-sum game is one of the biggest stories she told herself. And it wasn't until someone really helped her to understand that Bible scripture that we all get wrong, right? It is easier for a rich man to get into the eye of the needle than it is to heaven, all wrong, until someone broke it down to her. She was not experiencing an awakening about what money really is. I'm so glad that today, Mina really does understand what money is. She said, if someone in our family doesn't understand money, we're all in trouble. And she is so very right. We even talked about the media and how the media hoodwinks and bamboozled us into thinking that being poor makes us closer to God. I love, this is probably one of my favorite nuggets from her because it goes along with something I've been saying for years that exposure creates expansion. She says, Get around wealthy people if you want to be wealthy and ask them questions. Here's what I know. Every one of my mentors that is extremely wealthy has no problem with me asking them any questions about money and how money works. She said, ask them, how did you do that? How did you get where you are? Why did you do this thing? What are you doing here? Ask them the questions and write down the answers because this will make a difference. Ultimately, you want to get to the point where you are creating passive wealth. Everybody say that with me. Passive wealth. That is the real move to and beyond the million dollar mark. Listen, I'm so excited for you. I know you're going to come back and listen to this conversation with Mina over and over and over so that you can get your own plan in place of how you're going to start to make money move for you. I'm excited for you. I'm holding the space for money to start moving and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions quick start guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. 
Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care.